Worship is a subject that is near and dear to my heart. If there was anything that I could really say is a passion of mine in ministry, it would be this. It would be worship. I feel like anything that you need from God, anything that, uh, that you're needing to express, any connection that you need to make with, with Him or with the body, I feel like that can be done in worship. Like if you're coming in this morning and you're in need of breakthrough, I would say this to you. First and foremost, worship Him. Worship Him. Lift Him up. Worship the Lord because breakthrough rides in on the wings of worship. That's where breakthrough comes. So if you're needing some breakthrough this morning, I would say this, worship him. Yeah. Worship him. Uh, it's essential, not only to our union with the Father, but it's also a key aspect of our unity as believers. Across denominations, across, uh, across divisions within, a certain de- within specific denominations, there's one thing I think that we can all agree upon. He's worthy. Yes. He's worthy. And he said, if I'll be lifted up, I'll draw all people unto me. So worship is what we're talking about. But a big question we need to, we're going to go through in the next several weeks, uh, some things that are a little bit more ethereal and some things that are very practical about worship, sort of like the art and science of worshiping the Lord. But we need to start from, from this place here. Why do we worship? Why? I think if I asked everybody, you have an answer. A lot, your answer is probably right. But I'm going to tell you scripturally, uh, and, and by part of God's design, here's, here's why we do this, okay? So let's go to the scriptures first. Psalm 19, verse 1 through 4. Heaven is declaring God's glory. The sky is proclaiming his handiwork. One day gushes the news to the next, and one night informs another what needs to be known. Of course, there's no speech, there's no words, their voices can't be heard, but their sound extends throughout the world. Their words reach the ends of the earth. All creation is glorifying God. We look at Isaiah 55, 12. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Revelation 5, 13. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And very practically, we, we're going to take a look at what Jesus had said, Luke 19, 37 through 40. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. I think it's really interesting uh, in the, the daily Bible reading, we've gone back to the book of Genesis, going, going through uh, you know, the one story that leads to Jesus, and, and going back into Genesis, into the story of the creation. Um, what we see in these scriptures we just looked at we can see all of the days of creation represented, right? We've got the heavens, the day and the night is day one. The skies, day two. The trees, the mountains, the rocks, and the seas, day three. In Psalm 148, we actually see the stars and the moon worshiping God, and that's day four. The creatures of the skies and under the water, they were created on day five. And then we get into every creature on earth and under the earth. That was day six. So do you remember when we were created? Which day? 
day six. That's when we were created. And I think we see pretty clearly here through the scripture and through the, the account in Genesis, everything that God created worships him. So why would we be any different? Why would we be any different? We were, we're, a, we're a day six kind of creature, you know? <laughs> we were created right then, so we are no different than anything else that he created. We worship because it is in our divine design. It's in here. All of creation was created and designed to bring glory to God, to glorify him and to magnify him. And so we would say it this way. We are wired for worship. It's in your wiring. It's just the way that you were made. I've talked with a lot of people over the years because I, uh, I uh, led worship at Austin Cathedral for about, I think about 16 years, pretty much right at the time that, that I joined the church. I was saved at 19 and almost immediately uh, felt drawn t- with my saxophone. That's so sad. Sad for everyone else that this, ga- this kid who played a saxophone marginally well said, I just really feel called to worship. They're like, oh, no. <laughs> Oh, no. But they took me in. And since that time, I've talked to a lot of people who will say this. They'll say, Man, I'm, just, I'm just not a worshiper. You ever heard somebody say that? I'm just not a worshiper. They're usually the people, and if this is you this morning, I'm not trying to call you out, um, which is why I'm not pointing. But, if, but they're usually the people who are like during this time that Adrian and the team just let us in. Spirit of God's moving around. They're usually the people who I think have decided, yeah, I'm just not a worshiper. I'm just going to wait for the message because I'm more of a message person. But I got to tell you, you are a worshiper. If, you're, if you've ever said, I'm just not a worshiper, that's not what God said about you, right? You may have convinced yourself, oh, that's just kind of not my thing. I don't, I don't have a great voice. I don't play an instrument. I got to say, we have taken something that God intended to be vast and multi-expressive and powerful, and we've kind of diluted it down. And in modern terms, we think of worship as being just music. It's so much more than that. And not only do we say that it's just music, we say it's a very specific type of music played by a very specific number of bands using specific instruments. Oh, and it's got to sound this way. And that's worship in this little box right here. I got to say, it's not. It's a piece of the puzzle, but if we only focus on that piece, we miss becoming the worshiper that God actually designed us to be. We hamstring ourselves. We sort of eliminate the possibility that God could lead us into a worship experience in any other way. So we do worship with music just like people have for generations. And that's a really powerful piece, but it was never intended to be the whole of it. Worship in general, I'm going to give you the Darren Shaw definition. Worship is responding in submission with our whole being. That's heart, soul, mind, and strength. Responding in submission of our whole being to another who we hold up as sovereign. That's worship. And we're designed for that. So the question isn't really like, will we worship? Whether you know or not, even if you don't call yourself a worshiper, you're worshiping something. It's just how we're designed. So the question isn't really, will we worship? The real question is, who or what are we going to worship? Who or what will we worship? 
being designed as worshipers, having that implanted in our DNA from creation is amazing. It's such a great gift of God because what it allows us to do, when the Father becomes not only the object of our worship, but the subject of our worship, when it's about Him and it's given to Him, it's incredibly powerful, incredibly powerful. It connects us to the Father. And if, you, if you've ever experienced this, things are out of order in your life. I, I actually had a revelation about this just this week. Going through some stuff. You know, it's the, even worship leaders get the blues. Even pastors get the blues, you know. I've been going through some stuff. And I, the Holy Spirit, through a couple of people, one of them being Jennifer. God tends to talk through Jennifer to me in ways that other people aren't allowed to talk. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Um, but, uh, but I was reminded, hey, have you been worshiping me lately? I know you've been listening to some stuff in the car while you're driving. I know you've been studying for this message on worship, but have you been doing it when it wasn't required of you? When it was the thing that you chose to do over other things? Have you been doing that? And we'll get into this in a minute, but when we decide to worship, when, when he becomes the object and the subject of our worship, of our devotion, of our submission, he sets everything else in proper perspective. Life is going out of order. Everything is crazy. Worship him. If you're not quite sure what to do in the next season, worship him. If you're needing breakthrough and it seems like, oh, this isn't happening. God, what's going on? Lord, have you forsaken me? And he's probably asking, well, I mean, have you worshiped lately? So when we worship him, he has free access to speak to us, to move through us, to empower us, to accomplish his will. But also because we're worshipers by design, it creates a problem for us that's very unique to humans. And that problem is that we're designed to worship, so we have a really unique ability to create an idol out of anything, just about anything, right? Worship is the submission of our heart, soul, mind, spirit to something else that we hold as sovereign. When that's God, everything is in proper perspective. When it's something else, that's when things get out of whack and they go crazy and you wonder, God, where did you go? Also, from the Daily Bible reading, we've been looking again and again and again throughout the book of Genesis about humans and their ability to try and define right and wrong for themselves and to create things that they can worship, that they can hold up. Um, just for context, we're supposed to be looking first to God as our source for everything. That's guidance, that's love, that's peace, comfort, that's joy. Most importantly, that's identity. We're supposed to be looking to God first and foremost for those things. When we start looking to other things, we start holding them up and going to them first for guidance, for peace, for acceptance, for love, for identity. When we start looking to other things to define who we are, well, that's when we've turned something into an idol. An idol is something that you put up in a, in a pedestal and you look to it for your answers instead of looking to God. And I'm not going to go through all the classic examples of the things that we make into idols because as soon as I started mentioning idols and talking, you know, 
which ones you do that with. I know. I know which ones are my personal things. Like, oh yeah, hold that up. I look to guidance. I look to that for guidance a lot before I look to God. Or I look to that to define who I am before I look to God. We all have our own personal idols. The important thing is for us to realize so that we can correct our course and instead put that devotion from the thing that's out there to the one who created us, to the one who designed us to worship. God's intention is that we put Jesus in that place, that we come to the end of ourselves and we find everything that we need by looking into Jesus instead of looking to all the other things that we encounter in our life. We're going to read Colossians 1, 13 through 19. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, things visible and invisible, whether they're thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus, and through him to reconcile himself to all things, including us whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. What this scripture is, is reminding us is that Jesus is worthy. We, we worship God by looking to Jesus, recognizing that everything that God is, everything that he is, he put into Jesus so that Jesus could lay down everything he is and we could be reconnected with the Father. He is the bridge to heaven. He's the bridge to the Father. We're looking for identity. We're looking for acceptance. We're looking to figure out where we belong and where we stand and what it is that we're supposed to be doing here. We need to look to Jesus who can show us to the Father who can give us all the answers. That's, that's why we worship. That's the purpose We worship to be reconnected with the one who made us so that he can set everything else in right order. Which brings us to point number three. Worship is a response to what God has initiated. I think because we put such a focus, this is just a pet peeve of mine. Don't get me started talking about it at lunch because we will never get off this topic. I think that we've done worship a disservice by focusing solely on music. And I think that we've done, we've done even the musical aspect a disservice by focusing specifically on the role of a worship leader or a band member to be like the one who brings us into the glory, right? Um, I love Adrian Gonzalez. Absolutely love the anointing that he carries, the, the, the service to this community, the love that he pours out. I love that he loves to worship the Father. But I don't put Adrian on a pedestal. Like, oh, if Adrian isn't here, then I guess we can't worship. If Adrian isn't here, then I guess God's not here, right? And Adrian wouldn't want us to do that. Adrian is 
rallying the troops. Hey guys, we're going to worship God. Come on, I'll lay down some chords. We got some songs here, but let's all do this together. He's rallying the troops. He's not the idol that we put up there. And I think that we do that with musicians. We do that with the, you know, with whatever band we listen to that's a worship band. We think, oh my gosh, they do this better than anybody else. We do that. We, we do a disservice in thinking that somehow worship is something that comes from a person. Worship doesn't come from any of us. Worship is not about the thing that we're saying. It's about the thing that we're hearing. God initiates worship. He pours into us, and out of that, we, we're connected to him, and we're hearing things from him. He's speaking to us, and he's drawing us closer to him, and we're recognizing, you're active, you're moving, you're living in my life. You love me, and I'm so excited about that, that worship comes out. We don't worship to move God's hand. We don't worship because, oh, I need breakthrough, so I'm going to worship so God will give me breakthrough. Breakthrough is a byproduct of loving the Lord and connection to Him, right? Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God. He was here first, right? He was here first. I mean, I've been around 50 years. He was around a little longer than that. He was here first. So there's nothing I can do that can set his set him to moving in a way that he wasn't going to be moving already. Worship connects me with the way that he's moving and puts me on the same page as him, right? Um, I want to take a look at 1 John 4, 19, because true worship is an expression of relationship. 1 John 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's important to make a distinction here, right? Worship isn't our action that's intended to pay Jesus back for his action, right? This is not transactional. Worship isn't transactional. Jesus doesn't say, oh, well, I did this for you. You better worship me. That's not what happens. I'm reminded of something that, uh, that uh, Heidi Baker, y'all familiar with Heidi Baker? right? Iris Ministries ministers to so many people around the world. She said something back in 2013 that sticks with me, and it's very simple, but it's very profound, and it's this phrase. Love looks like something. Love looks like something, right? What Jesus did for us is an expression of his love for us. The action is important. The action is what uh, is, is what restored us to relationship with the Father, but the motivation behind the action is the reason we worship. He gave himself for us because he loved us, loves us. And when we really get a hold of what that means, it stirs up love in us right back for him. I wrote, I wrote a song a long time ago called This Love, and the, the verse three says, this love has no limit and no end. It flows from you to me and back again. And I live because of this love. Real love doesn't stay hidden away. It doesn't go unnoticed, right? If you're married in this room and you love your spouse, chances are you let them know, right? You tell them, you show them. Because if you didn't, you might not still be married, 
you know? Uh, you, if, if you're in a loving relationship, that love doesn't go unnoticed. It doesn't stay hidden. It's not the kind of thing where, where we think, oh, well, you know, I love Jennifer and she'll figure it out. I'm not going to do anything special. I'm not going to tell her. You know, she knows. No. Love looks like something. Love looks like something, right? Uh, and so what's in God's heart for us is love. One of the ways that he expressed that is when Jesus came to sacrifice himself for us. So that, that engenders a response in us. And that response is simply to love. Our response is simply to love. Real love doesn't stay hidden away. It doesn't go unnoticed. Real love looks like something. For Jesus, real love looks like laying down his life for all of us. For us, it looks like whatever we're doing in worship for him, right? Uh, Worship, remember, is responding in submission of our whole being heart, soul, mind, and strength to another who we hold up as sovereign. John 14, 15, Jesus said to his disciples, if you love me, you will do as I command. So to Jesus, what, is, what does that love look like? It looks like obedience. It looks like obedience. It looks like obedience to what he's asked us to do. Obedience to what the Father has commanded us to do, right? Which brings us, worship, worship is kind of that intersection between love and obedience, right? You can obey because you were told to and you don't have love there, but you fear punishment. You can obey out of that, but that's not the same thing. You can love, sort of, and think, oh, I just got all these fuzzy feelings for you. That's amazing, Jesus. And then Jesus says, hey, do this. And you're like, I don't feel like that. I don't want to do that, but oh man, I feel so good when I'm around you. That's a form of love. But the way Jesus defines it, love or worship is that intersection between love and obedience, where we obey with a heart of love to please the Father, to obey the one who sacrificed everything for us. And I mean, honestly, giving ourselves over in love to him and giving ourselves over in love to those around us is not something that we always want to do unless you do, and I'm actually the only one who feels this way. That would be sad and scary. Uh, but love is, not, love is not easy, right? Love is simple to fall into, hard to maintain. Which brings us to the fifth point here. Love is a decision, and so is worship. Love is a decision. I mentioned getting married earlier. Getting married is actually pretty easy. You say, I do, once. And you're married. The minister blesses you and, you, and you, everybody, and then you go out and you have, you have a party, and you're married. You say, I do, once. Getting married is easy. Staying married is harder. Staying married is harder. You, you can say, I do, once, and be married, but you'll wind up alone if that's the only time you make that decision. If that's the only time you decide, you're the one that I want to be with. I forsake all others for you. If you don't make that decision daily, you're going to end up alone because it is a decision. Love is a decision. Worship is a decision. I said earlier that every created thing is wired for worship. 
I also mentioned that humans have a design that's unique among all created things, right? Get into that really quickly, and then I'm going to ask the worship team to come up in just a moment. We're going to get into worship again. Um, we're talking about Genesis, the way things, you know, God created all things. The, and all other things glorify God just by existing. The trees, the rocks, the mountains, the birds, the, the gophers. I don't know why I mentioned gophers, but they were created too. All, all of these things that God created... They just are. The leaves on the trees are beautiful. They glorify God. The song of the birds glorifies God. They don't have to do anything special. They just are. And it glorifies God. We are unique. Because God created us in his image. We have agency. We have choices. I mean, there is an aspect of us that just by existing, we bring glory to God. But worshiping is a choice that we get to make. Birds don't choose to reflect his glory. They just exist and he's revealed. We have the option of withholding that worship from him, which is actually what makes it so powerful when we give it to him, right? Our worship response to God is love. It's love. And love isn't just, again, about romantic feelings. Love is decision. Love is commitment. It remains when all the feelings have faded away. That's why I say breakthrough rides in on the wings of worship, right? If you, if you are going through a hard time, and it, yeah, a worship team, if y'all could come up, that'd be great. If you're going through a hard time and you don't feel like it, that's the time you probably need to give it over to God most and worship him, enthrone him, see him set everything right in your life, right? Our worship response to God is love, and love is living for somebody else's good. Love is living for someone else's good. And for the Christian, that someone else, first and foremost, is Jesus. And what we find is that when we live to bring glory to Jesus, all of his goodness pours back on us. Mm-hmm.